Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. We got the cup. Duck and yellow, duck and yellow. You want to talk about a team? This is a team. You guys wanted it. We got it. Let's have some fun. Cue the memories presented by Bud Light. What's up, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. Andrew Ferentz, uh, for this episode, I'm thinking none of you guys were from Boston, but I think of all of you guys as sort of like an extension of the city and honorary Bostonians. And today's guest, Sean Thornton, really fits that bill for me. Do you find that to be accurate? No, he's not a Bostonian. He's from Charlestown. <laughs> There's a difference, Russo. Come on. Fair point. Fair point. You know that. He's a townie. Across the bridge. Across the bridge. Yeah. When I think of Sean Thornton, I do I do think of uh, of, of Charlestown and across the bridge and all his connections. He he knew he, he was a guy who just know new people around town, and that included Boston. He did once in a while venture into the big city, uh, but he was always he always had something on the go. He was always making business connections. He was doing a ton of work for his foundation. Uh, raising money. And, and I know he was, you know, hosted uh, several, you know, very successful events to raise money for his foundation. So the stuff off the ice. Yeah. I think of him like that for sure. But I think the prevailing thought when I think of him is just in the room on the ice, just the guy that kept everybody honest, you know, whether it was guys on our team uh, that were, you know, maybe their heads were getting a little too big or, you know, we're getting a little uh, uh, off the rails, you know, one way or another. He's the kind of guy that, you know, would would be able to speak up and kind of just cut to the chase and keep guys honest and say what needed to be said, you know, that that might have made, you know, most people uncomfortable. He was also that guy on the ice that uh, if, if somebody on the other team was getting a little out of line, <laughs> or getting uh, <laughs> hey, things were getting a little goofy, he would cut to the chase pretty quick as well, um, usually with his words before his fists. But uh, if the mm-hmm. words didn't work, <laughs> he could he could definitely back uh, back those up. So. An incredibly honest guy, a, a guy that uh, um, you know knows how to uh, communicate effectively. Should I say? Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I would say so. Uh, and just uh, we had Supi on here, obviously, uh, you know, talking about you know the role of the fourth line and just how important they were to our team, and and you know, obviously, Thority being a, a massive part of that, right? Uh, both through the really effective minutes on the ice, you know, they, they were good players. I'll get him to talk about his backhand toe drag special move uh, on his breakaway. <laughs> which is actually pretty impressive. The guy had skill, he had toughness, he had uh, a desire to be the best player in his role in the whole league. And and that helped us win. Yeah, we talked about it a, a little bit on the Gregory Campbell episode, but for a fourth liner, he really was the quintessential Bruin. He cared, the fans cared back about him because of the way he played and it just worked. There was that, that match uh, between him in the city and like I had said, off the ice, on the ice, he seemed like he was out of central casting for a Bostonian. It's it's like he was supposed to be in Boston. He was supposed to play for the Bruins. That's how I think of him. You know, I, I think it's a unique thing to to sort of take on the personality of your city. And and maybe he didn't. That's just who he is. But I think he just fit in so perfectly. And you know, whether it was you know, fighting Matt Cook or, uh, like you said, keeping people honest, even within the locker room. Like he was a huge piece of the 2011 Bruins and that, that came through to the fan base as well. But yeah, I, I just think, uh, there's, there's no better perfect 
image of a Boston Bruin than Sean Thornton. And, you know, for a guy who, you know, didn't have all the stats and didn't have all the playing time to make the impact that he did on the team and the fan base in the city, like that's pretty impressive to make your mark uh, in the role that he had. Yeah. The weird thing about Thornton though, is, is that uh, he is down in Florida for sure, but I heard through the rumor mill that, uh, uh, that he now just cruises around uh, South Beach with a leopard print uh, bikini bottoms. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of hard to picture, yeah, huh. from your your towny Bostonian picture. Like you're you're right, central casting. Yeah, yeah he's kind of doing the the Tiger King thing now. Hmm. Well, we'll have to ask yeah. him. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. Well, let's ask him. We'll we'll bring in Sean Thornton right after this and talk about that and all things Charlestown on Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. Cue the Memories brought to you by Bud Light. Score exclusive merch and more at BudLightLegends.com. And we're back on another episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light and Andrew Ference. We have a very special guest joining us, Mr. Sean Thornton. What's up, Thorty? It is Mr. That's for sure. You got that right. <laughs> Aren't they all special guests? I mean, isn't it all the, the guys from that year? Yeah, we won't tell too many people. I'm assuming nobody listens to this as far as the guys on the team. They just listen to their own episodes. So they, <laughs> they don't know how much praise we heap on on some guys other than, you know, more than others. So fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. it's not all fair. All parents. Yeah, it's good to see you though, pal. And I do say Mr. for a few reasons, because you're probably the most professional of all of us right now. A uh, big front office guy. You got a g- nice title down in Florida for the Panthers, and and also the fact that I would probably call you Mister just because of your historical uh, pugilistic abilities. Pugilistic is that what you call it? Is that the nice term? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you set things straight if if uh, if there's not proper respect given. So, anyways, it's kind of weird to see you in an official position though, because I don't know what the line is between uh, locker room talk and. Uh, <laughs> reminiscing and, and actual business. So I'll, I'll thread the needle. Don't worry. I've been, I've had to do this for a few years on this side, so I'll thread the needle. I know you're in Florida, but maybe some people listening to the podcast don't um, give us like the quick, like update, like what's up with authority? Where are you at? Yeah, real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm four years after retirement. Uh, I moved into the front office on the business side, three weeks after retiring, uh, still down here in Florida, working with the Panthers uh, as the, Chief Commercial Officer overseeing basically all our business units now reporting to our CEO. Families down here, two little daughters, uh, four and a half, two and a half. Uh, everyone's happy. Everyone likes Florida until like till August when it gets been hot for a little bit too long, but uh, try and escape for a week or two to escape the heat. But all good here. No, no complaints. So what do you actually do? Like, I know like that's, that's something that I really struggled with because like when I introduced myself as a hockey player, most people just knew like, oh, you play hockey. And then, <laughs> and then I actually took a real job and I had this stupid title that's so long and people just kind of like look at you with a blank stare and they're like, oh, that's nice. But I know they have no clue what I actually do. And so to be honest, I don't really have, have a, I have a bit of a clue what you do, but like when you go to the office on a given day, like, are you setting up like corporate partners or what? Yeah. So I oversee all revenue marketing and community initiatives for the organization. So I obviously have uh, good people that work for me and with me that make me look a lot smarter than I am because I would not be in this role if uh, it was just me running point on everything. But yeah, I'm very lucky that ownership here, you know, thought I was a little bit smarter than I let on. And uh, over the last four years, I've kind of grown step by step into this role. So uh, what's my day-to-day? A lot of meetings with different departments, partners, uh, budgeting, checking what the revenue numbers are, how we're pacing, how we're going to get to the next level, and then you know, growth on the marketing side, where 
initiatives are, what's our brand voice, what we're going to do in the next season, how the what's the look going to be like, uh, foundations that we're aligning with on the community side with partners. I mean, it, it's a lot. It's a lot, but I love it. That's a real, that's a real job. That's a real job. Yeah. I'm here yeah, a lot of hours here. Yeah. And I guess in our preamble, uh, to, to this conversation, you know, we talked about you being a townie, this and that. I could have also definitely mentioned just how incredible your foundation work was. I know you raised a ton of money for your foundation, you know, in and around the Boston area. Um, and you only get that done by being a really good people person. You're always meeting new people, always starting up conversations, always like really interested in like, kind of like what I just asked you, like, what do you do? How does it work? You know, like, who do you know? How do I know those people? Like, how can we do stuff together? And you were so good at that. You really were. And you know, it's, uh, it's something that I always really admired. So it's good to see it. Like, I'm, I'm assuming that all that socializing and just getting out in the community and meeting people and being interested, like genuinely interested in other people has really you know, served you well. It's, it's helped. I think setting up the foundation. I also think how we were as a team, honestly, uh, I mean, we were in the community constantly in Boston and getting a feel for how it really works. Definitely helped when I got on this side too, but yeah, my foundation, you know, understanding a little bit of the business sense of what it actually takes to get it up and running and raising money and where to give back and when to give back. And then, yeah, I mean, you're no different, right? Like a lot of guys on our team were people, people, like you, you could, you could put us anywhere and we were comfortable. You could shake hands and have a beer with the CEO, or you could be shaking hands and having a beer with the person that was sweeping the floors at the start of the day. I mean, we, we can talk to anybody. We're just good people or try to be anyways, most days until we punch people in the face. But um, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. A lot of the experiences I had the last 10 years of my career, yeah, definitely helped make this transition a little easier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Russo, let's talk hockey, bud. Yeah. Let's keep this on the rails. As we record, you won't be listening to this on the day, but today is our anniversary. It is. Happy anniversary, buddy. Happy anniversary. Yeah, got, love the group text this morning. <laughs> Walking out of uh, jiu-jitsu, like 28 messages. Dude, Adam McQuaid, I think he's still in Prince Edward Island. So they have a weird time zone out there. So my phone's dinging off at like five in the morning. Happy 10th anniversary. And I'm like, all right, like I'm excited too. Guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's understand time zones here. It's like he set his alarm at 6 a.m. to let us know he was going to be first. Yeah. Good for him, though. It was Snoopy chirping Luch that uh, Luch was going to be pissed he wasn't the first. Oh, guaranteed Luch was a bit bitter about, uh, about not, you know, sending out the first message. But he's got big plans. I hope he comes through with him. He told me he's going to drive down to Rogers Arena. There's too many Rogers in Canada. They're either um, Rogers or Scotia. There's no, there's nobody else. <laughs> <on the arena. laughs> but he's going to drive down because he lives in just outside of Vancouver. He's going to drive down to the rink, group FaceTime us all, and we're all going to have a beer while he's right beside the arena. <laughs> I, I hope I'm in a really important meeting when this happens too. So it's such out, a good, mind. it's such a good troll, and and you better pick up. Oh, I'm picking up. No matter what I'm in, I'm good. I'll, I'll I got to step out. Sweet. All right. I still like you. You haven't turned two square. No, God, no. <laughs> All right, Russo, what's up? You you remember Thorny coming to Boston? I do, and that's that's my question. I mean, I think the story begins before 2011 for you, Sean, in 2007 when you arrived. And just take us through a little bit, you know, how important it was for you to help 
build a culture and build the Bruins it back into a winning team along with Z and Mark Savard and, and the rest of the guys that came in getting to 2011 that process before what was that like yeah 07 I was lucky I came off a win in Anaheim right so Peter was nice enough to give me a three-year deal came into Boston didn't know anybody on the team didn't know Andy I, I don't think I played a bit against many of the guys Cam called me in the offseason right when I was about to sign and said you know I think I've seen players like you come through the city uh, and they have a unbelievable appreciation for players like you. And I think you should uh, strongly consider coming to Boston. And I would say that's probably the understatement of uh, my time in, in Boston. They really adapt to hard nose, hardworking, blue collar type people. And it, it was, you know, probably the best decision I ever made. So those three years, yeah, we had, we had some good teams. We had some tough years. I mean, Andy can tell you our first, what we had like 12,000 at our home opener my first year, maybe Andy in 07, but. Dude, I talk about that all the time. I was just like. No one believes it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so easy to forget about those times. You know, the, the most shocking thing to me, and I, I, I'm, I bear repeating because we've done a few episodes now, but like when I first came to Boston and I was like, oh my God, original six. It's like, so, you know, because you have it built up in Canada, like original six old teams, like Bobby Orr, like all these, you know, Cam Neal, like, oh my God. And then I got there. And, you know, like walking around like Faneuil Hall or something, like I couldn't even find like a Bruins hat to buy, let alone anybody actually like wearing one. I was like, what's going on? Like, am I in the non-hockey part of town or what? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly where you should be. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. But I think, you know, all of us, like we weren't winning every night, but man, we be hard to play against. And I think people started to pick up on that. Helped that we played Montreal in the first round. We were going in at eight there first and we made a series out of it. And, you know, we were, Again, playing hard hockey, murdering people when we were losing. And uh, that town appreciates that. And, you know, fast forward a few late years later, we had established ourselves as a good team. I think there was a bunch of leaders on the team that really helped shape the culture going into 2011 and really took us to the next level. For me, that trip to, I mean, we're going to talk about it probably, but that trip to Belfast and the trip to Prague. And then later in the year when we had a six-game road trip and brought some guys in, and really got to bond as a team uh, right after the trade deadline or before the trade deadline or whatever it was. Uh, I think that really helped with our locker room too. I'm sure, you know, Andy's probably sick of talking about it because he's done, I don't know how many of these now, but without that trip, I'm not sure we win. I'm not sure we win. Honestly, I think we came together in that trip to Prague tighter than we ever had in the years past. You know, that trip has actually been under-talked. We, we, it's, it's obviously, I think so it's obviously come up, but you know, based on the importance of it, there's a few of those highlights. I mean, the, the Prague and Belfast trip was insane. It was so much fun. Whoever scheduled that deserves a real ring because like <laughs> <laughs> we we had so much time. Yeah. Like we had like just us, no families. Not that you want to take away from the families, but like you had to get to know each other. That was it. Even the new guys, even the guys that didn't really hang out all that much in the past, like you're with each other every single day, exploring the city, getting to know each other. I mean, Andy's nickname was Boudvar after that. We didn't even know he had, <laughs> didn't even know he drank beer until we got to Prague. <laughs> Russo, do you know how that works in Czech Republic? You go to a restaurant and they're all like, they all serve beer, um, but you don't actually order beer. They just bring you beer and then they just keep bringing you more, more beer. And the way you order is to tell them to stop. Like that's the only <laughs> order. That sounds about yeah, right. So you're not like, ah, oh, bring another one. No, there's none of that. They just bring it automatically. Like, isn't that, ma- that's magical. Neither of us had the stop word in our vocabulary then either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the stories we've heard about the celebration with that team, I think, yeah, you guys certainly would enjoy that that kind of serving. 
if you want to go back and look at a, a really funny picture, our team picture in front of the like famous bridge in Prague. I heard some stories hilarious. about that. Yeah, photo, yeah, we yeah. didn't learn how to say stop in in Czech. Yeah, <laughs> so the beer just kept coming. What can you do? Like we didn't want to disrespect the culture. So yeah, it was it was a good group picture. I can't believe we actually all showed up for it. I was going to ask, did everyone make it? I can't even remember. I think they did. Yeah. Because remember, in the the bus trip from Belfast to the airport. We had a couple MIA yeah, we had a couple and, yeah. and that didn't go over so well, you know, like <laughs> to, to the culture of that team, you can do a lot of things, but you, you know, be responsible when it's time to be responsible. We did that well. And that was a special trip for you, Sean, too. Wasn't it the Belfast part of it? Was there family out there? It must've been a special trip. Yeah. My mom was born there. She, she uh, came to Canada at a young age and hadn't been back to Belfast. I mean, we've all the family from over there used to come every year to visit us in Canada, but, She'd never been back. So uh, it was special for me because I had to fly her out there. I mean, she was supposed to be there for three days, the same three days we were there. And I think she went home like two weeks later. My dad was not that happy, but she ended up wow. extending the day. <laughs> uh, but no, it was pretty cool. I think, you know, our team had like you know, 50 tickets and nobody else needed them. So I think my, half the arena was just my uh, my family. Did you fight in that game? I can't remember. No, 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 no. I, no. I was going to say that would have been kind of weird if you did, but we played against like, the great britain all-stars and that's like a pretty tough league yeah, like they love their they fun. have one or two guys and one guy did hoffman, anybody ask I, you uh hoffman maybe i i can't remember but he was all tied down and everything so i remember i went over after the game yeah. like, to shake hands and he had like assume. every strap on i was like it's an exhibition game like we're we're good <laughs> it could have gone either way though this is if, true. If, we're, if we're honest I mean, we, I mean you're not backing down if something happens right it's still a game but yeah it wasn't the intention going in no, great trip. Um, good pictures, good memories. And that's the thing is like, you get a couple of good nights out and then you just like, much like this podcast, 10 years later, we're still talking about the same stories. Right. You just create stories that last all year and you just retell them and they, they grow in grandiose over the year. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> it's amazing. So what's the story behind the Merlot line? We heard a little bit from Soupy uh, last episode that, you know, you didn't like the word burgundy or maroon or whatever Claude was calling you guys that year. You wanted Merlot. Take us through how the Merlot line identity formed. I think I just wanted to chirp Claude, to be completely honest. I think yeah, he was calling us the <laughs> burgundy line. You know, me being a wine connoisseur, obviously, I said, no, we, we're more like a Merlot. We're a little grittier. So, uh, and then I think, like, I don't know if behind the B was around or it's somewhere it got leaked out that Jeff Ward was chirping us after, I think it was after a Super Bowl party, like, uh, myself, Soupy Pizzi had a pretty good practice. And he basically said, hey, nobody can hang with the Merlot line after a party. And then somebody picked up on it and went <laughs> went out there. But you know, I, I'm very lucky to have those two guys as line mates. I mean, that was a small piece of that puzzle. They, they were definitely great hockey players that let me come along for the ride. Very rare to have such a like well-known, well-admired. I mean, within the room, it was obvious. Yeah. But like by fans and by like the media and like not even just within Boston, but like a little bit broader like it's quite rare like maybe detroit like you remember like draper yeah. and like some of those fourth lines he had when they were in the cups but like try to think of other fourth lines that had like their own nickname for like their practice jerseys and like <laughs> everybody knew their name and like it's it's really rare man i'm, I'm a branding expert that's why i'm in charge of this now. <laughs> doing it for years what's your fourth line called down in yes. florida i don't know anymore i'm not i laughing. haven't <laughs> they gotta come up with that no, yeah. I, I mean, obviously winning helps, right? And then uh, it's a, something catchy. Nobody else really has that. We're, you know, Pierre's on NBC probably talking about it here and there. And it kind of, you know, 
just snowballs a little bit, but it wasn't the intention. Literally, we just wanted to chirp Claude, I think. So it got started. Yeah, but I will say that you really kind of personified um, that kind of personality. I don't care if I play like one minute tonight. It's going to be the best damn one minute of any like fourth line in the in the league. I was afraid I was going to be my last minute if I didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and it's not even like a shot. Like it's like like you guys you guys played a lot. Obviously, like you know you're leaned on you know heavier than most uh, than most. I'm reminded that every time I turn on a playoff game now and I see guys just sitting on the bench, like it's insane. But like you guys played a lot, but like you really did have that kind of personality of like we are going to be the best at this role, you know, of anybody. And, and it didn't just happen where people got to know about Merlot line or people like cheered for you guys, or, you know, you'd see the Thornton jerseys up in the stands. Like that was, you guys built that. And I think it was, you know, it was, I don't know, it built up our culture around the room because there was a respect that just kind of flowed throughout the entire lineup because of it. I appreciate that. But I think it was the opposite. I think we we're just falling in line. You look at Bergie and how he treats things and every day when he comes to the rank and then, you Z and like, it's always like whatever, whatever position you're in, you better be the absolute best of what you're doing. So, I mean, we were just, a, I guess, another extension of that lower on the totem pole. I don't, I don't think Bergie ever took a sh shift off either. Or, you know, maybe he didn't have a, a moniker on their line, but we're just trying to fall in line and not be disappointing to anybody else in the room at the same time. Yeah. But you know how it works, man. There's guys that will like look at that stat sheet after and complain about oh, not getting enough minutes or always just, you know, we just didn't do it in front of anyone else. We'd go have a, like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe I only played seven minutes straight. Therefore, fine played. No, we're lucky. And you got to contribute team. You guys obviously trusted us, loved us and messaged it up as well. And Claude trusted us in most situations and were able to roll when, when we could. And, you know, listen, we had we had off games. We got we got our asses sat down on that bench pretty quickly as well. But uh, he also, you know, rewarded us if other teams weren't or other lines weren't going the way they should. He'd fill us in and give us a few more minutes. So he was pretty fair about that stuff. You got to give him credit. Well, on the actual production, I have these uh, these notes that Russo sends out before each call. Yeah. Just he, he's our researcher. You're welcome. Believe it or not. I'm not the researcher. But in the in the notes. He's got career year in 2010-11. That was a career year for you. It was at the backhand toe drag year? Nah, I don't know, actually. Because that was worth 10 goals, that one. So <laughs> Career year because we won, nothing else. <laughs> but no, I think you put up some good numbers. Yeah, that Unfortunately, not a contract year, but as my uh, uh, life story is, yeah, yeah, it's my only time having 10, 10 goals, 10 assists, I think. so. 10 goals is a lot, man. Especially for me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> No, oh, trust me. It took me probably seven years to get 10 goals. It took me another seven to get my next 10. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that works. So why was that though? Like you talked about the recognition with the fans and, you know, the fans appreciating you guys. Was it a matter of you guys thriving off, off of all of those things? You know, the trust from your teammates, the trust from the fans, even that, that you guys were able to succeed the way you did that year? As a line, yeah, I think so. I mean, we really fed well off each other too. We really complimented each other. Like we brought a little bit of a different skill set to the table as a line too. Paisy's one of the fastest guys that's ever been on two skates. So like he could get myself out of trouble when I was I wasn't fast enough to get a, I'd literally just ice pucks sometimes to get out of our zone. And he was like a dog chasing a chuck it. Just he'd go get that ball before somebody else would. Uh Soupy's a really smart player. Uh had a bit of both, you know, he's good hockey player he's gritty plays smart defensively so I think a lot of it we didn't even have to talk out there most days we just had this thing after playing with each other for so long that we just knew where each other were and just 
it was a weird feeling. Like there wasn't much communication, but we we're always putting pucks into areas where we knew each other were going to be. And um, obviously physicality was a big part of it too. We, we just wanted to apply as much pressure as possible and give the other lines a break when they could. And you had Marshy with you for a little while that year too. We did. We did. Well, so I'd say four of those goals are probably from when, like the 14 games I played with Marshy where he was just setting me up in the crease of the <laughs> Uh, I haven't really thought about it, but yeah, he was the original Merlot line member. It was me, Soupy, and Marshy. He actually bought these uh, like Merlot felt jackets for the three of us as a joke. <laughs> I think we rocked him in Buffalo for the first time. Yeah, everyone forgets that Marshy started on that line. He quickly ascended and has never been back, obviously, but uh, yeah, he was he started with us. In Belfast was our first game together, the three of us. Well, he's got you He's got you to thank. I'm sure he's, he's compensated. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw him Sunday. All he talked about is how I set up his career for the next 15 years. Yeah. Well, you, you did keep him in line, though. This is true. This is true. You know, and I think that was the other thing that stands out for you is, you know, in the in the room. I kind of described it like, yeah, you, people see it on the ice of you keeping the other team in line, which was very obvious to see from your pugilistic uh, abilities, as you as you said. But the things that, you know, that you usually don't see because we didn't have behind the B and there wasn't like cameras in the room all the time, but that leadership and keeping guys honest, you know, on our own team. Right. So even if it was yeah, Marshy, for example, out there, you know, especially in his first couple of years doing all his antics and like, just kind of, all right, bud, like you're kind of crossing a line, like yeah. at least, you know, you're going to have to drop the mitts or something like that to keep it honest. Cause you know, whatever it is, right. Like you were usually the one that was very good at delivering the like, straight up like hard talk i think it was from nine years in the minors and having to have those conversations a lot with guys uh conditioned me to it wasn't just me i mean z used to hold me accountable you held me accountable we all held each other accountable now was i harder on the young guys than some others probably i mean uh but i yeah, think that, I'll, I'll concur yeah <laughs> but i think them knowing also like if things hit the fan i'm going to be the one that has their back whether it's on or off the ice right i mean we all had them all over for dinner we always took them out for beverages like I think you can hold people accountable if they know at the end of the day like you're there for them respect them and have their back so I had I knew that in my heart so I had no problem holding anybody accountable because at the end of the day if it comes down to it I'm going to go try and kill somebody for you well I know it was always fair you know it was like that it's like the older brother that's right you know you know he loves you and he's saying it for the right reasons even if it kind of stings once in a while <laughs> yes it does not always easy to hear but you're right so marshy started with you i'm, I'm jumping all over the place but marshy started on merlot with you do you still call segs because segs came out of the lineup for you too didn't he yeah he did uh i talked to segs every once in a while i came out of the lineup for him though because he deserved it i mean remember bergy got hurt i think yeah, but don't talk about that. Just, I would just, just, just chirp him like endlessly about like how oh, he had six points in two games and then get another one. So they had to pull him out. No, I, he's pretty good. I was very, I wanted to be in that game one in the Stanley Cup finals. I, my internal feeling was like not many have been there before. Uh, you had, Rex had, not many guys have been to the Stanley Cup finals. It's another level of intensity, right? Even from that third round, it keeps ramping up. And Segs was a 19 year old kid and very skilled and he's a superstar. Don't get me wrong. But like in my mind, I was like, I think personally, whether the rest of the world thought this or not, I was like, I think my experience is probably should be in that first game. Now it wasn't. And they turned into bloodbaths. And I remember, I think I can't remember if we were on the flight back or after the game or the next morning clothes, like you're in for the next game for game three. I was, I was ecstatic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was uh, chomping at the bit. I couldn't wait to get out there. Well, people don't realize like once you get to the final, like, it's not that the game changes that much. Like it was a crazy final. Don't get me wrong, but it's more about like all the other stuff, just like how you're sleeping, yeah. 
you know, how you're relaxing your body, how your nutrition's holding up, like all that kind of stuff. And like, when you're young, you're just clueless. Like you don't understand that. And you're up all late because you're dreaming about winning the Stanley cup. Yeah. So that's the part that you had a huge like advantage. Yeah. Of. And the, the mental part, right? Like, yeah, you're tired. Everyone's tired, but have you pushed through it before in your life? And you know, you can push through it. Like all those things, like you said, come in, come in and factor in. So yeah, lucky to be thrown in happy that I had a half a decent game. I think I got tossed out three quarters of the way through, but uh, provided a small spark with the rest of the team to the rest. We've talked about this a lot too on this, but, and I know you were watching the first two games, but how difficult was it to, to see some of the things they were doing and how much did, you know, what they did sort of motivate you guys uh, in that series as it went along? Some of, some of the, you know, what we would say cheap stuff that went on in that series. Myself and Sheriff were up in the suite and we were almost ready to kill each other because we were so uh, frustrated. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you're not in it, it, it's really tough. You know, you're not, not in control of what's going on down there. And, uh, you know, Sheriff's kind of cut from the same cloth. And if we could have went down there and just literally choked everybody out on our own after the game, we probably would have, but we thought we would have been going to jail. So uh fortunately we had a chance to, to get i got a chance to go back in in game three but yeah no it was frustrating i mean we're built right to that's my job is to to not let anyone take advantage of any of your teammates so whether they're taking advantage or just cheap whatever it might be like it i take it as a slap in the face that's for sure so let's say let's reverse the roles well, well we can't do that totally because Bergie would not bite anybody's finger but let's say marshy it's feasible that he could have bit somebody's finger uh, in a game uh, what would have you said to him after the game? Like, what would be your advice? Like to be like, okay, dude, like, here's what you need to do now to make this right. Yeah. Uh, you're right. In the moment, I like to think that you're in that moment. I like to think you're just doing anything it takes to win. If you thought that was going to help him win a game, then all right. Like, I mean, I, listen, we've all done some things that thank God oh, they're yeah. not on camera that were not caught <laughs> things you were said, like to try and get a small advantage now. I don't know if fighting is that thing, uh, but uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not like the regular season, right? Regular season, you probably go out, you're gonna have to get your face punched a few times and then you move on. But Stanley Cup Finals is, I mean, he's gonna have to go score some goals probably. I, I don't know any other way, like make sure you're not the reason that you motivated the other team, make sure you're not the, the reason that we don't win this. Yeah, cause I mean, I thought about that, right? Like I'm like, geez, like I try to think about that when you see a bad hit or you see something happen, you're like, okay, like how would I feel if like my teammate did that? Like, what would be my reaction? Yeah, yeah, right? You try to play it out. And like, I would have been pissed just because you're like, well, what did that do yeah. for us? Like- Other than motivate not, them, yes. Yeah, it did not help us. Like, and, and so that's why like, I kind of lean on that. Like sometimes it is better to go get your face punched in a little bit just to like, let the you know, release the steam yeah. and it kind of d- helps diffuse the situation yeah. but like you know it, it, that never happened right so i think that was kind of just like added fuel to the fire because they never brought out the extinguisher at all no. to just say like okay like let's tamp this down a little bit like we've we've fired it up a little bit too much and like that team too i mean just the way we were built like the more you antagonize the more we push back right i mean you you saw it a couple of years later, I think when we played Chicago, they kind of went the other way. They were just like, all right, let's just play hockey. Don't poke the bear, like try and, you know, get through, not get through this. They're a good team. I don't mean it that way, but Vancouver thought they could, you know, bully us. And this, that team was not being bullied by anybody. We can play, we can play the game any way we wanted to. It's definitely, you know, yeah, we're definitely not being picked on. How important was it for you to, to sort of give off, you know, that, you know, you said you weren't playing the first two games. There were times you didn't play earlier on in, in the playoffs too but 
you know, I think everyone would call you the ultimate professional. How important was it that, that you handled that in the right way during that playoff run for your teammates? Well, luckily for me, I've probably been healthy scratch more than anyone in the history of the game, potentially. So I was used to it. <laughs> I mean, at that time of year, though, it's, it, it's not even coming off as anything or presenting yourself. It's whatever's best for the team. The coach makes the decision that this is what he feels is best for the team. So you buy into it. I mean, I don't think any coach has ever went into a game, playoff game saying, I'm sitting this guy because I just don't like him or I don't, he's not doing that. Like the coach wants to win more than anyone. So you just, you know, it's, you're part of it. So it's not my time to go in. So wait, you find other ways to support the team, do whatever you have to do to try and try and win hockey games. That's a professional. 100%. That's a professional answer. I, I don't feel that way though. I feel like if you're not built that way, you're not going to be on a championship team. I mean, I know not everybody is, I get that, but like it, you should, it should have been ingrained in you that, it's not about you this time of year. You want to win. It's about the team. It's just how it is. We play hockey. Yeah, but I'm a good team guy. And like, I've been in healthy scratch and I hated it like so much. And I like, held a grudge. I, I hated it. Until this until this day. <laughs> Listen, I, I hate it. Nobody likes sitting out. We train numerous hours our whole lives to be in that situation. You want to be out there, but you're not. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. What can you do? No, it's true. You're, you're a better man than I am. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> So there's a story in Full 60 to History, the, the book that we've referenced at times throughout uh, this podcast, about you and Shane Knighty uh, before Game 7 against Tampa putting cup photos around the room. Take us through that, and is that a, a way of, you know, contributing even when maybe you weren't on the ice? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's some upside to being a healthy scratch. You can stay up a little bit later and uh, hot stove over a few beverages. And uh, <laughs> I think actually... I think Nalco actually brought it up to us when we were in like Tampa, like after morning stage. She's like, you see all the pictures they have around here? We're like, yeah, we do. And then we didn't really think anything about it. And later we're having beers like, hey, we're the Bruins. We're the original six. Why don't we have any of these things up there? Um, so we went to Keto, ended up getting a bunch of he and procuring all the memorabilia and pictures and put them up around the wall. But it was just, I mean, it's a small detail, but yeah, why don't we have Bobby Orr drinking out of a beer bottle after they won. And again, I was fortunate to win one in Anaheim. Like I knew what the feeling was, but we should be, you know, showing everybody like, this is what you're playing for. Like it's, you get through this game, you're in the big dance. And like I say, it was this it's minuscule on the things that were happening, but you know, just a small thing after having a couple too many beers that we thought about uh, trying to pull off last minute for game seven. I mean, you can ask fair, he was playing. I don't think it motivated him at all, but uh, just something that we thought would, that needed to be around the arena. No, but you know what it does? It, it takes something that's like in fantasy land, especially for most, you know, most of us growing up, that's all it is. Like, it's something that you dream about. It's something that you go out on the outdoor ice and you skate up and down and you, you broadcast yourself scoring the winning goal in the Stanley cup <laughs> and you won. And, but it's a dream world, right? Yeah. Like it's not actually real. And I think what that does is when you, you know, when you play with somebody and, and you see the pictures and you're like, dude, like, you know me, I'm a real person. I won. Somebody real has to win this thing. Like it's going to happen. And it, it, it's weird. It, it's kind of hard to explain, but that kind of shift in your mind from fantasy land, Stanley cup to like, Oh my God. Okay. This, Oh, okay. This is real. Like somebody's actually going to put this up and it could be me. That, that is a big shift. And it has to happen. I think in order to, to have that, you know, calm and, and, and that approach to, to, to the game, right? Like, I don't know. It it made it. I hope I explained that. Yeah, I think we brought our rings in too. Some of the guys that had them, like myself, Rex. I think Doug Jarvis maybe brought rings in to like show like you could be walking around with one of these and 
next September, if you literally just put the work in for the next eight, nine, 10 days, whatever it is, like, it, let's go boys. There's nothing to, what are we waiting for? It's us or them, right? Like, let's go. So we've talked a little bit about the final already, but I mean, so you come in, obviously there's some other things there that happened in, in game three, but you guys win four out of five with you in the lineup uh, or coming into the lineup there in game three. Uh, how did you see the series turn there in game three, especially after the, the hit on Horty? I thought it changed with us going back to home ice. I thought we all had an absolute love affair with Nathan Horton. He's one of the most unselfish human beings you'll ever meet. He scored how many big goals for us through that run, uh, game winners, and game sevens, and overtime. Like, gets caught with that hit. You see him laying there. I mean, we all loved each other, but, like, he – Eric can talk, but I'm sure he has. Like, just his personality, like, you want to just go to war for. So, uh, again, you go back to Seggs. He's pulled out of the lineup, but I will say we're lucky to have him because you're now putting a skilled player into the place for you, not that he replaced them, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, if they, if they had another one of me on the outside waiting to come into the lineup, I'm not sure the result would have been the same. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> how we were built, uh, built and the, the depth and reserves that we had definitely helped. But, Listen, it was an emotional series. Nobody wanted to see that hit on 40. I still I, I still don't like seeing it. I think it was uh, late in the cheap shot. And I played with Aaron Rome and I'd have no problem telling him that to his face. But I think we all rallied around that on top of a lot of other things uh, to make sure, you know, let's not, let's not let these guys have this. This is ours. So everything went our way. You and Rex were the only people that won cups. You're part of the three-ring club <laughs> the three uh, ring on, the, on the airplane. Back. Yeah, three ring lounge. Sorry, we asked Rex about that. He said it was great, other than uh, the dad uh, sitting beside you, uh, the big Z, <laughs> making sure that counting our glasses of wine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to sit beside your dad when you went to the club. Um, but uh, other than that, it was great. So I'm assuming that the two of you were probably the only ones that slept like babies, you know, before Game Seven. Or am I way off? Were you like all wound up? Or were you feeling pretty like calm? Like what was? Because I mean, most guys that we talked to. Yeah, they went for a walk. You know, they tried to calm themselves down. I mean, there's a mixture of of guys, kind of what guys went through. But you know, you and Rex are unique in the fact that like, no, nah, we've done this. All right, like, or I don't know, how'd you feel? Yeah, Rex, he called me and asked me if I, he had a bottle of wine from when his rookie year or something he had bought, and he's like, I'm gonna pop this because tomorrow's my last game. Do you want to come up and have a glass? And he obviously knew it wasn't gonna affect me the next day. So um, I actually went up to his room. We had. Uh, well, I don't know if you guys talked to Rex and told you this already or yeah but he missed out the detail that the wine was from his rookie year so yeah we had a glass of wine yeah I, I slept I had a quiet confidence about us I had no doubt in my mind that we were going to absolutely just destroy them the next day like I, I don't know I had a calming I was fairly calm I slept like a baby yeah I woke up early because I was excited but when I passed out, I, my eyes were closed. I was out and up early, ready to go. Well, you're drinking wine from 1962. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> that helps, yeah. Jeez. I'll, put, I'll put anybody out. That's great. Did you go for a walk? We, we Everybody went for a walk around the ring, around the water. You were a guy that I would see early at the rink. I know that you're, you, you probably had too much nervous energy. So you, <laughs> is that what, what was your routine looking like when you got to the rink uh, on, a, on a big game day? Because you, I, would, I could picture you bouncing around right now. I have it in my mind. Yeah, I, <laughs> Nervous energy, coffees and stuff. Yeah, I mean, not so much in the playoffs. And I, but I've always conditioned my – I don't like fighting, right? Like, I never liked it. I'm not – wasn't the toughest guy in the world. But, like, I had to get myself into a place to 
able to enjoy getting punched in the head for games. So like that nervous energy was just like more of a routine for me to get me into a place. I'm pretty laid back. And yes, before games, I mean, I woke up depending on seven o'clock game, I'd wake up at two 30 for my nap and I drank as many coffees that I could get in me until 7 PM. And there was way too much caffeine in my system. And yes, I was out of my mind Uh, for that game. I woke up early. I think I went for a walk in the morning, did some stretching, whatever. I got to the rink probably around I don't know, two o'clock and then just started my routine, which would include drinking way too much coffee. Yes. But uh, just like any other game day, I, I don't know how you approached it, but I, I tried to just do the same thing. Not superstitious at all, but just keep the same routine. So um, kept my mind in a, in a solid spot. Yeah, totally. I think it went in however it works. I don't know. Some, some sports psychologist probably knows it better than I do, but your body literally knows it's it's time to race right like i i i assume that's like kind of what a racehorse has like when they're put into the pen at the start right they're like okay like my, i just know it does it's 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 on right and and that's kind of i guess what that routine always did for me is yeah okay oh i know i know what this means when i go for a nap at this time and i wake up and I have the coffee like because it's different than every other day right? right yeah same thing just setting you up for best results we had a good game uh, we, we won. We did. <laughs> Everybody was feeling pretty good. We get into celebration mode and I, I saw some highlights from like the locker room today just because, you know, people were posting stuff because it's our 10 year anniversary. And I just like giggle. Like it was so much fun. And if I could like extend any one little portion of my life into like a longer segment, oh my God, I'd try to multiply that by like 20. Everything you work for, right? Like everything, every little bit of sacrifice you've ever had your whole life, whether it's family, growing up, it's all worth it for that two hours that you're in there with your teammates, spraying champagne, drinking way too many beers, like having the time of your life, all of it's just like worth it. And the release is just like, it's euphoric almost. It, it's, it flew by too. We were in there from, cause we had to leave early cause of the riots and all that stuff. I remember police escort was going away and we ended up going to the airport a couple hours early, but it flew by. It felt like we were in there for 10 minutes looking back, but we were in there for a few hours and you know, everyone's just, you achieved it. You achieved it. Like everything you ever wanted, you just achieved it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I don't believe it that it was a couple hours. That's a lie. It was, it was five minutes. I'll die on that hill. Yeah, right. Did your mom make it back from Belfast in time to come to the game? <laughs> so my mom actually came to the game in Anaheim because working and all that stuff. So she got to go to the first one. So my dad came to Vancouver. He brought his buddy out to Vancouver. They they made a trade. So my dad was there. Yeah. And was he just so jacked like to come on the ice? He was and- pumped. And then he's a little bit stubborn from a small steel town and decided while the riots were going on, he wasn't going to take his jersey off and walk through them with his <laughs> like looking for trouble. So come on. Yeah, he, he was fine. But yeah, he's like, ah, I walked home to the hotel. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Uh but no, he was there. Yeah. I think Scott Oak actually interviewed him at, at some point. I'm not sure if he had had he had to have had some beers on the way out there too. Like he was probably half into it when uh when we were parading the cup around the, the ice, but not I mean awesome moment for him too right i mean both you know as your parents sacrifice everything growing up taking the rink those god-awful hours and taking your terrible towns for weekend games and uh yeah he was he was pretty proud it was, it was fun it was glad, I'm glad they both got to experience it that's really funny i can't believe we walked through that's that's a i know i know where you get your bravery from now jeez that's <laughs> yeah, like i was gonna say yeah. that too did he get a tv no I, i'm just kidding he didn't get a tv <laughs> Not <yet. laughs> no. it's an exciting thing to think about again but uh, fair you handed the cup to thority do you remember that and was that planned or did you just see him and you handed it what, what was that process like the handoff i knew he was in front of me and i threatened his life <laughs> <laughs> it's always planned man come on we we all kind of know but then it's got to be said you know it's like 
just just so you yeah. all know, like I'm next. It, it mm-hmm. happens really quick, but everybody gets it. Everybody <laughs> knows like secretly what the pecking order is yeah. of like age, games played, gotten close, yada, yada, right? Like, and there's this kind of, it just happens. Everybody gets it for sure. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wait, my, my shoulder was so sore. <laughs> I couldn't wait to pass it off, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was a great handoff. It was good. It was clean. It was clean. I kept it high for you. You didn't even have to like bring it from chest level. I it was appreciate you. I, yeah, man. I, I remember in Anaheim, I was so afraid to have it over my head. Like I wanted to get it to the next guy so quick. Cause I was such a, like, I was there for half a year. I was like, it's a pigeon on that team. So like, I remember thinking like, God, if that was the only time I won it, like I had it over my head for like five seconds and gave it to the next person. So I think I tried to take my time a little bit with the, the Bruins one, but still, I mean, hockey player, not just me, all of us, like you look at the time from the first guy that gets it to the last guy, like we buzz through it because we're more worried about getting it to the next guy than we are actually us taking advantage of the situation. Who did I get? Did I give it to Shane Nivey or I can't remember who I gave it to. Size. Oh, I give it to Size. That doesn't make sense. That had to be a mix up. There's no way I would have gave it to Size. Dude. He must have butted in front of the sheriff. I think. <laughs> Sides all of a sudden didn't speak English when it came time to pick him right. He's like, me only German. <laughs> the celebration kept going. And, and the one thing we actually heard from Marshy in our previous episode was that you had to give him the phone call and deliver a message a couple weeks later. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can you walk us through the, the Sean Thornton side? Because I don't trust his memory at that time of how it actually went down. But it was like, you, actually, you might actually nailed it. I think. Uh, Again, it's foggy for me too. I mean, I, I was celebrating as well, just not on the front of the papers or uh, standing on the bar. Uh, yeah, that's time, a veteran you know? move. So I, yeah, I think I called him like on a Wednesday morning, like a week or six, seven, eight days after. I was like, hey, Marcy, you had your time. Like, enough. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Like, I was more doing it like he was starting to create a reputation for himself that wasn't actually warranted. Like, he was just having the time of his life, but. You could the, the rumors were starting to fly around town about this animal, and like he was a young guy at the time, he hadn't established himself really. I was like, Marshy, time to go fly under the radar, kid. Go back to Halifax. Like enough of being on the front page of the paper in Boston. Enough. It is, it is very, very good advice because it is true, right? Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, you might never ever get there again. So yeah, hell yeah, enjoy it, man. Like that's the advice I would give. Like. A, you nailed it. Take a bigger spin on the ice with the cup, man. Get a get ten good pictures. Don't just get one. Uh, so go for a good spin, and then make the most of it. Yeah, like hundred percent. Have fun, party. Yeah, but you don't need to be like the guy on every social media account to you know doing thing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a good time, but you don't want it to like linger over you by doing something dumb on night nine of right. the celebrations, right? Like it's very easy to make a dumb mistake at that. Was point. his side of the story fairly similar? Or? He, he said that you called him up and said like, Marshy, Cam wants you out of town. <laughs> Beat it. Oh yeah. <laughs> or something like that. That might not be verbatim, but it's pretty, clo- pretty that's, close. That's to that. about what he said. Yeah. yeah. I might've thought he wasn't going to listen to me. I might've, maybe I threatened him with the cam line just because I know, but he's he's got the big hammer. He's got the, he's the boss. He carries a little extra weight. That's fair yeah, enough. He does. He does. Did you have a better time? Like, cause you went through it once, like, and you had your day with it. Did you do it up? Like, oh, I missed this on my first time around. So, like, I I got to make sure I do this on the second time. Yeah, I mean, you, you and I both we both got two days with it, right? So very lucky that I got to do a day back home, day in Boston, living there year round. Um, I'll say my first time with it. Um, 
I don't think I missed out on anything the first time. Brad May actually gave me really good advice in Anaheim. He said, listen, like everyone was going to want to piece you on this day and you're going to want to give back to everybody. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that's put the work and effort into it. And he said, you know, cause I was talking about, Hey, do I go to my childhood rink and, you know, do a thing for the town? And he's like, listen, man, I've seen this before. Like there's going to be 10,000 people that show up. And if you get through 9,999 of them, that one person that you missed because you had to get to a, ch a children's hospital or back to your family, that's the person that's going to yell the loudest and the, the other ones won't matter. And it was tough to hear, but I think he was right. Like, I feel like we balanced it pretty well on giving back. Like we had private uh, autograph, not autograph, sorry, but photos with the cup, like took it to different restaurants, different bars, let people know it was going there. But then when we had to go, we went and then yeah, it, it's your day with the cup, right? Not to be selfish, but like nobody else put the work in at five in the morning on a Sunday, putting 400 pounds on your back. I'm making things up here, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's your day, embrace it, give back as much as you feel you can give back, but don't give it all away because nobody else earned it. No, man, I've heard a couple of horror stories of like the small town mayor, like taking over the first right. six hours of the day, right? Because they have a re-election campaign or something so they organize oh don't worry we got it we got it and then they like all of a sudden it's like a mayor's campaign rally <laughs> you're like what it's your day it's not it's not their day and i guess it's part of the you know canadian hockey player culture right like we're, we're fairly humble individuals most of the time and we want to give back but you really got to take a step back and say you know what no i gotta I got own this it's it's my day did the cup make it into uh charlestown yes yes we had a full She's almost a full day there. We uh, started in Ironsides, taking pictures of the locals, went to McCarthy Liquors, Old Sullivan's, uh, Warren Tavern. Uh, yeah, we bounced around the whole morning. My day with the Cup in Boston, we were in Charlestown for the whole morning and then made it back to Navy Yard Bistro where we used to have our Halloween parties and stuff with Johnny Moore. I uh, took it back there for dinner. Didn't tell anybody we were going, like had the back, like just six, eight people uh, before we took it to wherever we had that Dropkick Murphy's concert. Dude, Russo, did you just hear that? Like that is why Sean Thornton is the chief commercial, like whatever officer yeah. you just name dropped like 10 places in town <laughs> and, uh, and, and like all your favorite townies. Two, two of which like, aren't even open anymore. Three aren't even open anymore, but yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, fair enough. I, I was going to, I was going to try to chirp you just for like, <laughs> now he's going to get another free sandwich. Yeah. Great. That's yeah. I actually had to pay for my lunch at the Warren Tavern. I brought the cup in there and they're like, yeah, here. And I'm like, wait, I don't even get my free chicken fingers? Like on the cup day? Yeah, for real? Cup day. I chirp them every time I'm in there. Like, hey, from that That's time, awkward. Yeah. I don't think we paid for anything anywhere, wherever we went with that thing. You know what? People always say that you'll never pay for another beer in Boston again. I pay for tons of yeah, beer in Boston. Not, probably not as many as you because I'm way cooler than you, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't want people to buy me beer, but, but it's cool if they offer it. <laughs> you know? Like, not bad. There's kind of a balance there, but no, trust me, if, even if you win a cup in Boston, you still pay for beer. That's, that's a fallacy. Not as many though. No, no, you get the odd one. That's, that's true. That's good. But you know, that's how we started the show, right? In the intro. And, and I think that's a good place to end it is you really embraced Boston and it felt like, you know, as, as you went along here, like that you were always here, that you were born here, that you were a Boston native. Like there, there was, there was a really special bond that I think you created with the city and embracing, you know, Charlestown and Boston and, and, you know, just the, the local culture. Um, you know, how important was that to you? And, and as you look back now on your seven, six, seven years here, whatever it was, um, you know, how much did Boston sort of become a part of, of your career and your life? 
still feels like home. I've been, I've been down here for seven years, but I still have my place in Charlestown, get back as much as I can. Uh, I, I'm going to say a, a lot of that though, and minor league culture. I mean, when you're in St. John's, Newfoundland and you're part of the community and you, like, it, it wasn't like I came into Boston. It's like, I got to make a concerted effort. You just, when you play that many years in the minors and you're in these towns that embrace you, like it's, listen, the, the town embraced us more than we embraced it, to be completely honest. So I think the same in Charlestown, same in Boston uh, as a whole. So as I, I loved it there, uh, definitely the glory years, right? Like, no, there's no doubt about it. Those were the glory years and very fond memories. And, you know, 10 years ago today, you'll never be able to take it away from us, right? We're on that trophy for 53 more years, I think, fair. I'll be long gone before they uh, they rip our name off of it. So uh, maybe I'll try to be commissioner and I'll change the rules or something. We get to keep that ring on. Yeah, yes, I love it. Work your way up the ladder at the office, would you? Yeah, I got to work on that. <laughs> Have you your Bill Daly? Well, no. All right. Yeah, maybe. We'll, I'll, I'll consider <laughs> You're a marketing guy. Come on. Revenue. You'd, revenue guy. You'd be great in uh, in CBA negotiations because you'd just give it straight. Right. That'd be good. Keep people honest in there. So actually, I'll consider you. A yeah. couple rapid fires to close out. Uh, we've asked everyone this. Foxwoods night. The bill that everybody's seen on Google and social media. Lots of Bud Lights. Who was drinking all of them? Ooh. Udvar. Right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was straight whiskey that night. So Yeah. Nobody's owning up to it. Honestly, the mystery continues. Probably, honestly, probably the younger guys didn't know any better, just wanted to grab the beers. I mean, there's got to be a picture of Segs with a Bud Light in his hand. All the pictures that are out there, they're oh yeah, Segs for sure. Yeah, good guess. All right, last one. I think this one makes sense for Thorny, given what we've just said. Your go-to spot in Boston to get away from it all. What, what was your go-to spot? I stayed in Charlestown. They're so used to seeing me there that nobody ever really cared that I played for the Bruins anymore. It was like I was just already at the end of the bar so we just the iron sides is closed now but a lot of iron sides yeah iron sides probably my go-to spot i'd say oh good man he even allowed us to come over a couple times nice love that's that. a good true town that's a good man well it's a real pleasure bud it's good to see you happy anniversary congratulations on all your success and your family and your job and yeah yeah it's amazing i can't wait to work with you again as my bill daily <laughs> we'll be working before then i got some green initiatives that we're trying to sell over here so we'll be uh, we'll be in touch i've talked to your people that are working on on environmental initiatives and that makes me so happy it actually reminds me of a time that i took yes, a picture of you hugging a tree yes. on earth day all you buddy uh, all you what a good man i like this guy awesome sean thornton thanks so much for joining us on cue the memories presented by bud light we'll be back to wrap it up right after this pro shop powered by 47 at the hub on causeway is bruins fans one-stop shop to gear up for hockey season find the largest selection of authentic jerseys in the city the latest in bruins headwear from brands like 47 and even more exclusive black and gold merchandise visit the pro shop during your next visit to td garden or shop online anytime at bostonproshop.com and we're back to wrap up another episode of Cue the Memories. Fair, I think back again through that and, you know, whether it's Sean or you or Z, you know, all those guys in the leadership group, like, it just feels like all you guys were so calm all the time. There was always like that quiet confidence and Thority talked about it before, like going into game seven, like Rex talked about it as well. Like you guys were quietly confident, professional, you just, you had so many guys like that. And it's like, that that's so rare to have a team of veteran guys like that, that were just able to carry through 
you know, all the tough times and down to nothing and young guys coming in, like that was huge to that group having that kind of mentality. Yeah. And I guess like just listening to you say that, I mean, I think that what provides that is you had some veteran guys that had been in the league for a while that had, you know, personalities that definitely lined up with each other, but, you know, really fitting to Thority's conversation is like super honest guy, right? Like he is what he is. Like he's not trying to like, sell you a, a fake sell, you know, a fake bill of goods or anything like that. He's what you see is what you get. And I think we had a lot of guys like that, that were just, nobody's trying to BS anybody. Nobody's trying to be something that they weren't, you know? And I think that when you come into an environment like that, that allows you to kind of just be who you are and be super confident when you are super confident and also expose some vulnerability when you feel a little vulnerable or whatever it is, like that's going to lead to that kind of culture where you can be honest and you can be open with each other. You could have a guy like Thority come forth and sometimes say things that, you know, are really kind of tough to hear sometimes, but not, you know, must be said, you know, to get things out in the open and to, you know, solve something that needs to be solved. And, and so, you know, he wasn't the only guy that did that, right? Like Z was obviously a big part of that Rex, you know, um, Chris Kelly, like, you know, you had a group of guys that, yeah, could be honest, could be themselves coming from a good place. And I don't know, it, yeah, it creates that environment where, you know, you're not constantly trying to be something you're not. Right. And I think that that lends itself to, you know, like that kind of just kind of atmosphere that is calm, that is comfortable, that, that, you know, is honest and open and I don't know all the good things that make something, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's an accountant's office or a hockey team or, you know, whatever kind of workplace it is like, that's just a positive kind of atmosphere to be in. Yeah. And just, you know, for a guy like, and he acknowledged it too, someone who, you know, wasn't always in the lineup and, you know, he's on the fourth line, but man, he was just so influential to that group. And it's, it's impressive to, to see what he did and, you know, to not always, you know, be on the ice and contributing that way to, to have the influence and the impact that he did is, is impressive. And he's uh, remembered fondly forever here in Boston, Charlestown and, everywhere in between uh another episode a great one i thought fair thanks yeah he's a good man thanks for doing it bud. of course we'll see you guys next time on cue the memories presented by bud light